you want to turn to Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 5, that's where we're going to be this morning, as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount and looking at these teachings that Jesus give us that challenge us, but also show us how to live this beautiful life, a life that's really desirable for people and makes a difference. So, Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 5, Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So as Jesus is talking, he continues to talk about these hypocrites. And a hypocrite is somebody who is, they're, just, they're inconsistent. They believe one thing and yet they do something totally different. They say they'll do something and then they never follow through. They don't, they don't do what they say. But, in our passage today, Jesus actually, he, t- he talks about a hypocritical prayer. I don't mean like a hypocritical prayer, I mean a hypocritical prayer. A person who prays, who prays like a hypocrite. They believe one thing, and yet they pray a very different kind of way. And Jesus just quickly identifies two ways that people are hypocrites when they pray, especially in his culture. First, he talks about, they love to be seen. So where do they pray? They pray in church where everybody gets to see them. They, they go out and they pray in public places, on the streets, because they want everybody to hear their prayers and see them and hear the elegant words they use to describe God and go, wow, that person, they sound so smart. They sound so intelligent. They sound so spiritual. And really, it's a show. They're trying to act like someone that they're not through their prayers. And so Jesus gives this example of, so instead when you pray, go into your room and close the door. Now for us, you know, probably you all have your, like your own room, like your own bedroom. And you can go in there and have your own space and close the door. But that's not what Jesus is exactly talking about. Same principle. But back then in a house, the only room that had a door was the storeroom. So think of it like a combination closet and pantry. That's the only place in ancient homes that had a door to it because you didn't, everyone didn't have their own bedroom. Like it was just kind of like open floor plan with this one little room that's closed off. So it's like go in there with the crackers and the bread and the fruits and the vegetables and your winter coat that's hanging up and go in there and that's where you pray. 
But the location doesn't matter, and Jesus isn't even saying public prayer is always bad. He's saying the point is, don't pray to impress people. Because that's what a whole lot of people do. They're hypocritical prayers. And in fact, they're hypocritical because they don't even pray in the way that God is. Because if you notice, Jesus says, go and pray to your Father who is unseen. Of all the things God that Jesus could have used to describe God in that sentence, he picks unseen. So the very way you pray is to reflect that God's invisible. You don't get to necessarily see him. And so in the same way you pray in such a way so that people can't, can't always see what you're praying about or how you're praying or the words that you use. Then Jesus uses this second description where he says, oh, and the pagans, they just, they just keep on babbling. They think that if they just keep talking, they'll get the attention of their gods, which was just a cultural thing in Jesus' day that a lot of people believed because people didn't believe the gods really cared about them. Like, they could be busy, they had many, I mean, if you remember growing up, uh, learning about different stories about the Greek and Roman gods, the different myths of, of Zeus and Hercules, and they don't really care about people. They've got their own problems, their own schedules, their own interests, and so you might be praying, and uh, Zeus is kind of busy. Like, he planned to go golfing this afternoon, so he doesn't have time to hear your prayer right now. That's kind of how they, they thought. And they didn't think the gods were interested, they thought they could be busy and easily distracted, so you've got to say a lot to get their attention and try to convince them to help you. Um, it reminds me actually of a story in the Old Testament. You might remember, uh, especially if you grew up going to church and going to you know, kids, kids Sunday school or Bible study or VBSs, probably you did this story at some point, which is Elijah on top of Mount Carmel or Caramel. You, just, you would just say that and think, oh, are we going to have candy? So the kids minister got candy for us? But, you know, if you remember that story, what happens is Israel is worshiping this false god named Baal, and God tells Elijah to do something. And so Elijah challenges all the prophets of Baal to meet him on this mountain, and he says, here's what we'll do. I have a little competition. We'll build two altars, one for Baal and one for the Lord Yahweh. And we'll put wood on the altars, we'll put a sacrifice on the altars, but we won't light them on fire. And whichever person's God lights their altar on fire is the true God. So Israel all shows up. It's kind of like the Super Bowl. They all show up and surround it. And it's Elijah versus 450 prophets of Baal. And so he says, all right, home, home field advantage. You guys go first. So it's first thing in the morning. The sun's just come up. And the prophets of Baal, they, they get the altar ready. And they begin to pray and pray. And nothing happens. And so they begin to shout and yell and dance, and put on like all this, sh all this showmanship to try to get Baal's attention, and it gets into its lunchtime, and then it gets late in the afternoon, and Elijah begins to make fun of them. He's like, well, maybe you need to talk louder. Maybe Baal, and he just reflects what everyone thought, maybe Baal, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's, he's just too busy right now, and he hasn't heard you. Or maybe, maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he just had something for dinner last night that's not a green, and he's going to be in there for a while, and that's why he hasn't heard you. It's right there. It's literally in the Bible. You can go read it yourself in 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah says that. And they keep trying. And then it gets to be dinner time, and the sun begins to set, and they've been at this all day. Nothing's happened. And so Elijah says, okay, you've had your turn, my turn. And he calls everybody over to his altar. And then he says, wait, but before we start, somebody go get four large jars of water, and let's dump them 
three times on top of the altar. And he digs a trench that holds at least three gallons of water. And so after they're done, the trench is full of water. Everything is soaked. Like, even if you're not great at camping, you know the first thing you do in building a fire is not dump water all over the the firewood. And so he does all this just just to prove there's no way you can say I tricked you. And then Elijah gets up there. He says this very short, very simple prayer. And as soon as he says amen, fire falls from heaven and incinerates the water, the sacrifice, the wood, and the stones of the altar. It's all gone. And everybody's like, oh, well, I guess Yahweh is the real Lord. But that little story in the Old Testament of how the people prayed to Baal shows exactly how the people still thought their gods worked. Because the gods of all the other religions outside of Christianity, the view is humans were made by accident or as a mistake. The gods don't really care. They're not really interested in us. And they could be at any time too busy, too distracted. So you've got to work really, really hard to get their attention. And even then, you have to kind of convince them and prove to them why they should help you. Just go read some of the ancient myths, and that's what you'll find. They, they try, and, and even if the gods help them, there's like a little bit of a catch, or there's a trick to it. And so that just reflects Jesus' when he says babbling, that's what he's talking about. This is how you think this works. So let me ask you this, this question. And maybe, maybe you've, you've asked this before, because I know a lot of people have asked me, because that right there at the tail end, he says, he tells them, well, God, God already knows what you need. So this is always when I typically get asked, okay, so why should I pray to God if he already knows what I need? Because Jesus just said, he, he knows what I need. So think about that. Why, why pray to God if he already knows what you need? Well, here's part of how I would answer that. Is when Jesus says this, notice that he's setting up a contrast. He's saying, don't be like the hypocrites, because the hypocrites babble on and on and on. Don't be like them. Why? Because God already knows what you need. He's contrasting the point that they don't think their gods hear them very well. But Jesus' point is, no, God hears you. In fact, he knows you and hears you so well, he already knows everything that's going on in your life before you ask him. His point is not, so see, you don't need to ask. His point is, God cares about you so much more than all their other gods. And if you hear nothing else this morning, at least hear this. God hears you. He absolutely hears you and knows what's going on in your life. He gets it. He's not distant. He's not far away. He knows and he hears you. But let me ask you this follow-up question to that. What is a successful prayer? Like, if you were to think your prayer worked, how would you know it worked? Well, probably you would think it worked because whatever you asked for happened. Right? Like, you asked God to do something, and he did it. So you'd say, hey, it worked. The prayer was successful. But actually... I don't think that's maybe the right answer. Because it's really interesting how Jesus teaches on prayer. He doesn't always focus on the results of your prayer. And see, I think there's actually uh, a little bit of a modern hypocrisy. Because sure, sometimes maybe we tend to 
talk a little more than we need to. We still kind of think we got to convince God to help us. Or maybe sometimes when we're asked to pray in public, maybe you know, you use some words that you've heard in the thesaurus before, but you've never, you, would ne- you never use those words. But you're like, I'm praying in public. I better sound pretty good. So, you know, I'm going to spice it up a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use some words I learned in Wordle this week. Like, that's what I'm going to do. But I actually think if we look at how Jesus teaches us to pray, we can find there's kind of a modern hypocrisy that's slipped in. So just really briefly, I don't know why, I just want to identify the Lord's Prayer and just kind of analyze a little bit of it just real quickly, just to see what's going on. So Jesus, you know, he starts off in this prayer, and it's really funny because even in the NIV, the NIV tries to be, you know, very modern and, and use more common language, but they still use this old English word hallowed. Like, how many of you used hallowed in this last week? And just your normal, like, man, that football game was hallowed. You know, it's like, no, you, none of us use that word. But it's still maybe, I don't know, maybe the best word we've got, because that word is trying to translate a word that means to make something ultimate, to make something superior. So Jesus begins with, hey, first, let's be clear who you're talking to. You're, you're talking to God, and hallowed be his name. You make him ultimate. You put God on the throne of your life. That's where he goes because he is hallowed. He is ultimate. He is superior. But you know what's interesting is that word hallowed and then your kingdom come and your will be done. Those verbs, we don't quite get them in English this way, but those verbs are actually commands. So yes, we're asking God to do something that only God can do. We start with God's priorities and there are things only he can do but it sort of assumes something on our part. There's a little bit of an assumption that, well, for God's name to be hallowed, you've got to put him in that place. And if his kingdom's going to come and his will will be done, there's a little bit of a response that we have to do. Because God loves to use us in his plans. So it implies there's a little something on our part to help make this happen. But Jesus begins by just simply saying, where you start, is God's priorities. You start by praying for what God really wants. And only then, once you've identified God and you've prayed for what his heart cares for, then you get to your concerns. So you start with God's priorities and then you move to our concerns. And there's just three quick concerns Jesus mentions. He starts off with daily bread, which if you're a good Jewish person, you would hear that and think manna in the wilderness. That's exactly what you would think. Ah, God provided for our ancestors. He gave them just what they needed every single day, never too much, never too little. But daily bread, a lot of us hear that and just kind of, yeah, yeah, daily bread, okay, whatever. But in Jesus' day to his audience, daily bread was a real problem. Like that was a legitimate concern. People did not get paid every two weeks or, you know, or anything like that. You worked all day, and at the end of the day, you were handed your wages on the way out the door, And so that meant, quite practically, you get paid at the end of the day, you stop by the market on your way home to buy food for the day. So literally, if if something happened and you did not get paid at the end of the day, you have no money to buy food. People did not have refrigerators and pantries filled with enough meals to last them a few days. You know, people couldn't just kind of casually think, hey, let's just go out to eat tonight. That was not a thing. Very few people had savings accounts or retirement accounts or insurance or any of that. So it was literally... What, what do we do today? So when Jesus asks for that, that daily bread, he's really talking about 
what you absolutely need every single day. Every single day. And secondly, he moves on and then he talks about forgiveness. Now what's interesting is forgiveness is the only thing Jesus circles back around to after the prayer. He goes back and he highlights that how hypocritical it is for you to ask for forgiveness and to recognize you've been forgiven, but then you don't want to forgive anybody else. And Jesus did tell a story about that at one point, about a person who was forgiven and couldn't forgive anybody else. And so it's so interesting that Jesus really cares a whole lot about forgiveness and your ability to forgive others, to recognize how God's forgiven you and to be able to pass that along. And then third, he just prays that we're protected from future temptation. And I don't know how often we maybe pray about that. Jesus recognizes Satan's schemes, his plan is to steal, kill, and destroy, and he'll do whatever it takes to distract you from God or to make you complacent in your faith. And when he needs to, he'll, he'll try to get you to sin in such a way to destroy your life and break your relationship with other people and try to convince you God doesn't care, God can't rescue you anymore because of what you've done. And so Jesus says, well, pray for God to protect you from future temptation. So recognize and pray for forgiveness for the past, but then pray for spiritual protection for the future as well. And he gives these, these different, different things. Now, I think when we pay attention to that, kind of where this, I think this modern hypocrisy comes in is when we pray, if we look at what Jesus prayed for, we either don't pray or we pray like pagans. So we either don't pray or we pray like pagans. We don't pray because we believe we can handle it. Because especially, just you know, be honest, I don't really pray very often for daily needs. Why? Because I've got that covered. Right? It's like I've got a budget, so I know how to use my paycheck responsibly. You know, and then you know, we have savings accounts and you, you do wise financial planning, and then if there's ever an emergency, well, you've got some insurance for certain things. So if something happens, you've got some policies to protect you. And those aren't necessarily bad things or evil things or unwise things. But sometimes, instead of trusting God or having faith in God, we just move our faith to those things. Like, well, I don't need God because I've got an insurance policy for that. Well, I don't need God because I've got this account in the bank for emergencies. Well, my fridge is full of food. Like, I'm throwing away spoiled food. I don't need to ask God to help me with food today. And so we, we just tend to say, I got it, God. I don't need you. I'm good. Paul Miller, who's a Christian author, he wrote this about prayer. He said, if you're not praying, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. So if you're not praying, you're quietly telling God, hey, I've got it covered. If there's a problem, I can work hard, I can fix it. If there's an incident, I've got, I've got money, I've got insurance, I've got the things I need to deal with it. I don't, I don't need you for daily bread, I've got it covered. And so we just really have to be careful and watch ourselves to say, have I just relocated my faith to something else? Do I still actually trust God? And maybe it forces us to think more about what our real daily needs are things that we really need every single day that maybe we don't always think about, like that God would give us the energy we need or the physical strength that we need. But here's that other part of, well, you might say, well, how do people who don't believe in God 
pray to God, because usually, you know, you don't do that. Well, there's, there's one kind of, of prayer, and this is like the bargaining prayer. And maybe, maybe you're here and you've done this before, where you don't, you don't really have a great relationship with God, you don't really believe in Him, and so, but when something really terrible happens, then it's, God, if you will fix this, if you'll come and you'll do X or you'll do Y, I promise I'll, I'll, I'll go to church tomorrow. Like, I promise, God, I'm going to get my life right, and I'm going to start doing some things differently. If you'll do this, I'll do this. And that begins, begins to happen. Or, the prayers sound a little bit like God is like this cosmic Santa Claus, or he's, you know, Amazon subscribe and save. Like, hey, God, I really need this. Could you just, it would be so great if, if you could provide this thing for me. And so here's where this kind of hypocritical prayer, kind of like a pagan would pray, is we sort of take how the people in our culture, the expectations, the things they want, and how they ask for it, and we just apply that to God. So we kind of learn, God, here's my wish list. Can you, can you check the things off of my wish list for me, please? And we find that if we look at the Lord's Prayer, we don't necessarily ask for daily needs. We ask for way over and above what we need. We're not really maybe praying for forgiveness or spiritual protection. We just pray for other kinds of things. We just kind of get focused not on God's priorities, but my priorities. You know, I've got some dreams, I've got some goals, I've got some plans. God, will you, will you make those things happen? Instead of, God, what, what do you want to have happen? And so this is where we get things a little mixed up. Because God, he is not Santa Claus He's not Amazon Prime. He's your father. He already knows what you need. He listens to you. And like any good father, he knows when to step in. He knows when to kind of hold back. He knows when to tell you, no, that's a terrible idea. I'm not giving you that. Jesus even says one time, how many of you, you ask your parents for, uh, for bread and they give you a stone? Or, you know, you want a teddy bear to cuddle with and he gives you a snake. Like, your, your, your Father in heaven, he knows exactly what you need, and he gives you what you need. So here's, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to analyze your prayers. I want you to analyze your prayers. So maybe that's when you pray, you have a little notebook or something, you just kind of jot down, what did I pray for? In what order did I pray for things? Did I start with God and then get to me, or did I just pretty much start with me and pray for me? Like, think about what are you praying for? Do you pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done? What do you pray for? What do you leave out? What do you include? So just, just kind of analyze that. And then here's the second part of this. If you, especially if you, if you don't have a, a good habit of prayer, right, if, if kind of your, added, your, uh, your habit is you don't pray for a while and then you feel really guilty and then you feel, oh, I've got to get back into praying and then you pray for a little while and then you stop and then you feel guilty again, here's what I want you to do. All right, for the next 30 days, I want you every day to pray the Lord's Prayer. It will take you less than 30 seconds if you just read the Lord's Prayer. I timed myself this week, less than 30 seconds. So we can all give at least 30 seconds once a day for the next 30 days and just pray the Lord's Prayer. That's it. Just get out your Bible, read it. You'll probably have it memorized if you don't already by then, and just do that for the next 30 days. And the reason I want you to do those things is to check our own hearts, to check our own motives, but also because I really want us to learn just this one simple truth. God hears you. 
In fact, that's the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is you don't have to work hard to convince God to help you. You don't have to say things a certain way for God to answer your prayers. Jesus on the cross has already done all of the work. So you don't have to convince God to answer your prayer. You don't have to convince him that you're good enough or, or whatever it is. Or, that, or convince him like, God, I'm asking for this and here's all the reasons why I'm asking for, for this. Here's why I think this is a good idea and why you should answer it. No. He's done all the hard work already on the cross. So we don't have to convince him to help us. We don't have to back up our logic for why we're asking for something. You can just ask. And in those moments, because I know they come, those tensions, where you pray for something and you don't see God do it, and we begin to have doubts, and you know those doubts that run through your mind, those questions, like, does God hear me? Does he care? Can he fix this? Is he going to fix this? We'll talk about that in a, in a future sermon, but what I, wanna, I, I just want you to hear this. He hears you. He really does care about you. He really does know what you need. He really does have a plan. And he just is asking, just be faithful. Just hold on. I know. I already know. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to fill me in. You don't have to convince me. I'm, I'm here to help. Just stick with me. Just hold on. It's all going to come together. Because there are times where our expectations aren't met and we don't understand what God is up to, but he hears you. He is close and he has a plan to help you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. So if you're here today and you, you're far from God, maybe you, you kind of know, yeah, I kind of have those bargaining prayers or yeah, I don't really believe in this guy. I would love to meet with you over the next few minutes in our next steps room on my right, your left, and talk with you about, about Jesus and the decision to get baptized and to follow him. But also, maybe you're here and you, you need to recommit or you, you, need, you need prayer. You find it's been, it's been hard to pray and talk with God. So I would love to meet you back there and talk about following God, talk about getting more connected here at the church, or just to pray for you, whatever that may look like. So we're going to spend some time praying together as a congregation, but if you need to talk, I'll be right back here, and I'd love to, to meet with you and talk with you.